So my introduction to personal finance happened on a random day while I was driving home from work early 2017. I turned the radio on and who do I hear talking about personal finance and living like no one else now. So later in life, you can live like no one else. Dave Ramsey. And let me tell you, for everything that many people say about Dave Ramsey, maybe he's too stern, he's too direct, he's not sensitive enough. The man has a great philosophy of debt and just building wealth. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked by maybe his approach to how he talks to certain people. But it was maybe a year after I learned about Dave Ramsey in 2017, in 2018, a year later, that I found out about the FIRE movement, the FI community, the financial independence movement, as well as the financial independence retire early movement. And let me tell you, all these different groups, these personalities and each of these groups have good things that you can take away. And so today on this video, I want to talk about five areas, five topics where I think Dave Ramsey has an edge over the financial independence movement and other areas where the financial independence movement is actually better than Dave Ramsey. And when I am referring to the F5 movement, I'm kind of loosely also referring to the FIRE movement, the financial independence retire early movement. But just to save time, I'm not going to say FIRE each time I say FI. All right. So let's start with the first topic, and that's getting out of debt. And I think this is where Dave, as well as the FI community, agree for the most part. Personally, I choose to not carry any kind of debt whatsoever except a home mortgage. I think that is the appropriate type of debt that one should have, one can have. But for getting out of debt, I lean towards Dave Ramsey's baby steps and his strategy of getting out of debt using the debt snowball method. Basically, you list all your debt smallest to largest. And once you pay off that smallest debt, you take the amount that you are paying on that debt and apply it to the next smallest debt or whatever extra amount that you were paying on top of that smallest debt, you take that lump sum and apply it to the next smallest debt and you keep doing that until you get to the final largest debt where you have this huge lump sum that you're going to be paying. And yes, you do have the debt avalanche method where you pay off the highest interest rate first. And I think this is where you're just going to have to figure out, okay, maybe if you do have a $10,000 loan where you've got 12, 13% interest that you're paying on it, versus a $5,000 loan, maybe you're paying two or 3% interest. Well, the math clearly tells me that I need to be paying off that $10,000 loan first because the interest that I am accruing is a lot of money that I'm going to be paying. So it makes sense in those kind of situations. But if the difference in the interest that you're paying on the different loans is very little, well, I would definitely employ the debt snowball method because of that mental and psychological hurdle that you're going to be overcoming that's going to help you boost your confidence and help you stay consistent as you try to pay off your debt. That's the method that we used. And we had a number of loans. We had a number of student loans, car notes, and a credit card debt as well that we used the debt snowball method with. And it was a success for us. And I do believe that it will be a success for many of you. And you can definitely try one method or the other, but I highly suggest that the debt snowball snowball method is the method that you start with because you're going to get those small wins that's going to help push you towards becoming debt free. The next topic is saving while in debt. Now, Dave Ramsey's baby step four is to save 15% into retirement after getting out of debt. 
I personally find this difficult to follow, especially if you work for a company that offers you a match to whatever you're contributing to your workplace retirement account. That's free money that you're giving away. That's free money that you're not accepting. And this is where I think a lot of people overlook an important part of your personal finance journey, your financial independence journey, and that's your net worth. By investing up to your company match, you are building a more awesome and comfortable retirement for your future. You're taking advantage of that compound interest earlier than later. If there's one thing that we know about compound interest is that it's going to work best when you give yourself time, when you give yourself time, when you start earlier than later. So while my wife and I were tackling debt, yes, we did decide to go ahead and invest up to our company matches because it just made sense to go ahead and start taking advantage of compound interest and to start building wealth. And it was anywhere from 3% to 6% that we would be contributing to our 401ks. And so it wasn't that big of a difference where it would have made us pay off our debt like three years later or four years later. It was actually only a couple of months later. And if we had to do it all over again, we would do exactly the same thing, investing up to the company match while we were also tackling that debt using the debt snowball method. Now, the next topic is credit cards. And I know a lot of you watching have credit cards, are building wealth with credit cards. You're getting a lot of points and you're maximizing your opportunities through the use of credit cards, traveling and getting all kinds of different perks. Personally, I'll tell you a story. I learned a long time ago to simply stay away. I got my first credit card in college, which if you're watching this and you're in college, I'm going to tell you, try to stay away from credit cards until you have a full-time job that you're going to be able to pay the monthly balance each month and that you won't carry a balance each month, okay? Please just do that. But I remember that first credit card I had in college. It was one of those student-type credit cards where the interest was going to be like 18, 19, 20% if I carried a balance. It makes me a little bit sad just to remember that time, okay? So this credit card that I had, I mishandled it. I wasn't smart with it. Of course, I take full responsibility. It was my choice. I was an adult or at least, you know, 18 years old. You're kind of an adult, right? So I learned, though, at that time that I just needed to stop using credit cards. So I ended up defaulting on that credit card, and I didn't have another credit card for about another seven or eight years. I get it. There are those who can responsibly use a credit card. My wife is one of them. and They never carry a balance. However, I think that is a minority and that the majority of us have to really be cautious when we use a credit card. Now I've learned if you do end up having a credit card, try to tie it to a recurring monthly bill, maybe like your internet plan or your cell phone plan that gets paid off each month by that credit card. So on this issue, I kind of lean both ways with Dave Ramsey and the FI community because the FI community is all about credit card hacks and optimizing the credit card bonus points and the perks and all of those things to get so many different kinds of rewards. And I think that's great. I think that's great for those of you who can responsibly handle a credit card. However, I do want to reiterate that if you want a credit card, I cannot stress the importance that as you have your credit card, make sure that you stay current every month and never carry a balance. The next topic is buying a house and buying a house is a huge decision. And what I will tell you is that getting a 15 year mortgage the way Dave Ramsey recommends with 20% down, like Dave Ramsey recommends, and a mortgage where your monthly payment is less than 25% 
of your income is probably the best way to buy a home. This is what Dave Ramsey recommends. One disagreement that I do have is the 25% that you want to be paying of your monthly income for that mortgage. I think that might be a little too high. I personally would not want a mortgage that's more than 20% of our take home pay because I want to be able to save and invest anywhere from 30 to 50% of our income for retirement. This savings rate practice is something that I learned from the FI community, and we're trying to implement that in our own lives, but I love that principle of trying to save and invest as much as possible earlier in our years, especially the years that we're probably going to be making the most of our income. But let me tell you, there is something nice about not having so much of your income tied to a home, tied to your mortgage. So 25% is not a lot if you have no other debt. Still, I think a monthly mortgage closer to 20% or even less is going to help you be more optimal with investing and saving and planning for retirement. The next topic is mutual fund choices. And I think this is where the financial independence camp wins the argument hands down. What I have learned over the last five plus years is that low cost broad based index funds are the way to go for me you've got to do your own research i want you to get educated but what i have learned is that low-cost broad-based index funds like vanguard's vtsax fidelity's fskax fidelity's fzrox and etfs as well vanguard's vti voo and then other companies similar etfs and index funds are great are the ones that i personally prefer to be fair dave ramsey does not mind index funds but he does advertise the work of his financial professionals called the smart vester pros and from what i gather i don't know if it's changed since then but low-cost index funds are not typically the choices that are promoted when you do the math and the research low-cost broad-based index funds are going to outperform the majority of actively managed mutual funds i think it's anywhere from 80 to 90 percent depending on which asset class you're looking at. Whether you're investing in a taxable account or a tax advantage savings account like your 401k or 403b, I highly recommend that you look at the index funds that are available to you and compare them to some of the mutual funds that might be advertised, you know, that are actively managed, that are being promoted to you and compare the history, compare the fees and try to calculate if you can what you would be earning in the future when you take into account those fees. And I think having a 2% fee, a 1% fee, even a 0.5% fee is going to erode, is going to take away from the overall gains that you're going to get. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, it could even be millions of dollars that's going to be paid in fees. And I think for anyone who is trying to build wealth and trying to retire, if the math tells me that 80 to 90% of actively managed funds do not outperform the index fund that they're trying to compete against, well, that's my sign to stay with the index fund. That's just what I believe. And so index funds and ETFs is a big part of the financial independence community. And it is something that I learned about when I got introduced to the FIRE movement, the FI movement, and I'm so glad that I did. So between Dave Ramsey and the FI community, and yes, the FIRE community, you can learn so many great things. As you've seen in this video, there are some things that Dave Ramsey does better than the FI community, and there's some things that the FI community does better than Dave Ramsey. Now, one big goal that I think Dave Ramsey and the financial independence community do a good job of trying to help you achieve is becoming a millionaire. Now, that path is not an easy path, and the video on the screen is going to teach you more about becoming a millionaire. Click on it, and I'll see you over there. Peace.